0: When children become competent enough to help mom and dad, including guiding and mentoring younger siblings, life gets a lot easier for the parents. But great life lessons are also absorbed by the children themselves. Today we're talking with veteran homeschooling mom Ellen Gable Herkash about siblings as co-teachers in your homeschool welcome to homeschooling saints the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love our host is lisa Miladnik, a catholic life coach tv host best-selling author and an instructor at homeschool connections hi i'm your host lisa Miladnik, and today we're talking about siblings as co-teachers in your homeschool our guest Ellen Gable Herkash is an award winning author of 10 books, four of which have been translated into multiple languages. She's also an editor, self publishing book coach, speaker, publisher, NFP teacher, book reviewer, theology of the body teacher, marriage preparation instructor, and former president of the Catholic Writers Guild. However, the rules she enjoys most are as grandmother to one precious grandson wife to her husband of 37 years, James, and mother to their five adult sons, ages 20 to 32. Originally from New Jersey, she and her husband live in the country in Pakenham, Ontario, Canada. You can find Ellen online at ellengable.wordpress.com. And that's E-L-L-E-N-G-A-B-L-E dot wordpress, W-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Welcome to the program, Ellen.
1: Well, thank you so much, Lisa.
0: Well, let's just start by telling people a little bit about your Canadian homeschool, your transplant. You fell in love with a wonderful Canadian man, and you guys have really made an incredible live, you know, life together. You just It seems to be this just creative uh, glow coming out of Canada from Ontario. <laughs>
1: indeed, indeed. Actually, I fell in love with a boy. <laughs> mm. He was only 16 when um, I went up to Canada to meet my pen pal back in the day when we used to write things snail mail. And I went up to Canada to meet my pen pal and I met James and we fell in love. And then we wrote and uh, called each other and whatever, over four years. And then we were married in 1982 and I moved up here to Canada and we um, we now have a beautiful life and with our five adult sons and one precious grandson. Um, and I homeschooled. Uh, I homeschooled... Um, 18 years from the time our oldest son, uh, I think he was in second grade, uh, until our youngest son was in eighth grade. So, and we live in the country, so that made it a perfect, um, you know, a perfect place to homeschool because all you need to do is go outside in your yard or in the forest and, and there's learning to be done.
0: So right. And and I think, too, with boys tend to be very kinesthetic learners. Of course, they're all different, but it's really nice to get them outside, isn't it? We don't really want to strap boys to a desk all day long. Girls either. Um, I had a, a catechism class once at, at church that had 22 kids and they were almost all athletes half of the class was girls and that energy really bounces off the walls after a while doesn't it you
1: bet you bet and there was a lot of energy it was a very i remember um when our kids were younger that it was loud but it was it was kind of a busy loud Once they became adults and all their voices were low, it becomes a very booming loud, and it's still loud when they're all together. They're very, they get along really well together, all five of them.
0: That's one of the great gifts of uh, family life, of being together a lot. Yeah, so, um, so what is this process? This, we've got this great thing that happens sometimes in families where older siblings, even if they're fairly young, can suddenly start to take on that role of mentor and teacher to younger siblings. How did you see that progression happening in your own family life?
1: Well... I don't think it's necessarily just within the homeschooling um, realm that you see this. Basically, older siblings teach by example. I mean, I learned that in my own family of origin, but for me, I learned what not to do um, (laughs) because I saw the you know the consequences of, of bad choices. But you know, for me it was so obvious whenever we had a new baby, even when our oldest son was 2 and we had our second oldest son our oldest son didn't like it but he gradually became you know it, he gradually became very interested in in this little new baby and as the children got older and a new baby came into the uh, the family there was really nothing better nothing better than having a new baby around to teach siblings, the value of human life and the helplessness and the innocence of a newborn baby. Um, And this was especially evident when we had our two youngest sons, because there's kind of a break between the three older ones and the two younger ones. There's like four years in between Timmy, our middle son, and Adam, our fourth son, because I lost a baby in, in there. And then it was a couple of years before we got pregnant, because we were told You know, this is, uh, you have some medical issues. So when we had, when we had Adam and Paul, uh, you know, I remember the boys all um, competing. Of course, boys are very competitive, right? But they would all compete with who could get the baby to smile first, you know, and they all wanted to hold the baby themselves with no help. Uh, kind of thing and you know the older boys came to understand that their younger brothers were imitating them and I mean I could see this when they went outside and and Adam was four that's number four son if he was four and the other boys were, you know, varying ages above that, I could see them running around the yard with Adam very far behind. And one of the boys would stop and turn around and, you know, pick up Adam and bring him so that he could be running with, with them. So it didn't take much. It is, it's a beautiful memory and, and they were always watching out for each other.
0: And, and that kind of natural protectiveness that they have for each other, and I have no doubt in the normal ways that they had conflicts and squabbles, but it's really interesting to see that deep loyalty that siblings can have for one another as well. And it doesn't sound like you were hovering over them and forcing them to include him. They, they were allowed to experience naturally that sense of, oh, wait, Adam's lagging behind. You know, and, and that moment of natural compassion when it comes from them is just so powerful.
1: Well, they did fight. They did absolutely fight, uh, but I mean, they weren't perfect. I didn't raise perfect children, (laughs) but they, what I noticed was they made up quickly always, you know, and younger brothers did sometimes become very annoying to older brothers if they were trying to do something. So it wasn't a perfect scenario, but it, it, you know, it was a great, uh, environment for learning and learning how to interact with other people.
0: Absolutely. Were there times, uh, I know you said you had some medical issues at different times, and of course you were bringing home newborns. That's sort of like whenever there's something up with mom in a homeschool where mom is not able to operate at full capacity for any reason. It's a little bit of um. A, you know, a pretty powerful ripple effect that goes through the family. What, what did you see in terms of the way your children responded to those times?
1: Well, I, first of all, our children had chores from the time they were four years old. At four years of age, they put the silverware away from the dishwasher, and then it went from there. So they all had their, their chores that they would do. But sometimes they had to do mom's chores, too, when I had illnesses. And I remember specifically when I was pregnant with Paul, who was my youngest. Um, Adam, that was my, um, he would have been four at the time. So he was, you know, putting away silverware. But Josh and Ben would have been 12 and 10. And they could see that I could do very little. So they had to take on a lot of the responsibilities like laundry and and that sort of thing. And one of the advantages of that was that all of our kids have done their own laundry from the time they were 10 years old, regardless of whether I was sick or not.
0: So that that age to start doing laundry started as a result of your being that was one that's of, them. It and it just continued by example. That's really cool.
1: And and also, if they bought clothes that were, you know, that I didn't buy from Walmart, if they bought them from, you know, they used their Christmas and birthday money to buy, you know, name brand clothes. They wanted them, you know, um, laundered in such a way. So <laughs> that's great. You know, I I didn't like the fact that they were kind of forced into this responsibility, but they really rose to the occasion. And there was grumbling sometimes, but, um, and I do remember one time that my oldest son who would have been 12, you know, something was happening and and he was walking with the baby or, or walking with the toddler who was crying about something. And, you know, he turned to me and he said, that's it, this is too hard, I'm never having kids. And I thought, uh oh, this is not the attitude I'm trying to, you know, instill in my kids. And then Paul was born and everything was fine. I was much better after I had the baby. Um, And there was one moment that Josh, um, the baby was just kind of cuddling in, you know, he was in the bassinet and Josh picked him up and was rocking him and he looked at me and he said i've changed my mind i want to have kids
0: <laughs> so
1: and i tried to explain to him there are a lot of difficulties with having children but you know this is why those little babies that they have in family life classes throughout high schools they're the little mechanical babies all they do is cry they don't smile you know they soil their diaper they have to be fed you don't get that you know, interaction where they're smiling at you and, and reacting to you in a positive way—it's all negative. And I get what they're trying to do with those, but there's so much positive with the baby as well. So,
0: oh yeah, absolutely. What have been some of the surprising outcomes um, where you know a sibling was asked to take on a responsibility, and you know a, something something wonderful happened or some new insight.
1: One thing I can think of is when Paul was born, in the evenings, he was very colicky. He cried a lot. And I would either have to rock him, nurse him, or take him on a car ride. And so at the time, Adam would have been, he was actually about three and a half, um, not quite four. And one thing I liked to do when my kids were toddlers Obviously, I nurse them to sleep when they're babies, but when they're toddlers, I like to lay with them and, um, you know, read them stories and sing to them and, you know, practice the ABCs and do numbers and stuff like that. And that was our time, which was very precious to me, but I couldn't do it with Adam uh, for those first three or four months that Paul was a newborn. So you know, um, there was one point where Adam said, "Come on, Mom, I, I want you to come in and, and put me to bed, put me to sleep." And and the second oldest son, Ben, who is now a dad himself, he said, "That's okay. I'll I'll put I'll lay down with with Adam and put him to sleep." And so, you know, months went by, and Paul finally stopped his colicky period and one night I said to Adam, I can put you to sleep now. You know, the baby's, you know, comfortable sleeping. And, and he said, well, that's okay. Um, ben can still put me to bed because he's much more entertaining, much more fun. <laughs> he, probably, <laughs> he probably didn't use the word entertaining, but he probably said he's much more fun. And Ben was a very entertaining child. I mean, he works in film. So he's a very entertaining child. He, uh, you know, he, he, Thrives on being laughed at. He likes people to <laughs> laugh and that sort of thing. So it it stung a tiny bit, but those two have a special bond that the others don't have because he's he was almost like a fatherly figure. Um, my husband at the time, you know, took on some of the responsibility, but he was involved in a lot of uh, extracurricular activities and that sort of thing, which is why Ben took the uh, the job over. So.
0: Nice. But I. But it was I have beautiful. Known, I've had the very great blessing of knowing uh, a few moms who have been chronically ill while homeschooling, and I've just seen the the kind of joyfulness that bubbles up in their young people as they become older teens and young adults because they have that sense of competence of being needed, um, of knowing really how to take care of things, and that is not a bad thing. I mean, in olden times before industrialization, right? All the kids. We're helping out on the family farm from the get-go and everybody was necessary. You bet. We've sort of separated from that idea. But uh, in situations where, where mom is not able to do everything or you know, someone in the family needs extra care and mom is sidelined a little bit, uh, the children sometimes do step up and fill in the gaps. Have there been any times too where older kids have stepped in and like helped with lessons like regular academic learning or anything? Yes, like
1: that? yes. That's kind of... You know, that goes without saying, a lot of the lessons I did with all four of the four oldest children, um, things that you could do at the same time, I did at the same time. And sometimes it meant, if it was a science science lesson, uh, it meant going out to the bedrock in front of our property and looking for a fossil. And so an older brother would take a younger brother and they'd Go out and they would um, look for a fossil together and and you know trace it onto some paper stuff like that. Sometimes it was it was just a natural thing. Um, it wasn't always a natural thing. Sometimes I had to ask, but um, you know it, it worked that way.
0: Yeah, and and you did mention sometimes doing things all together. There's that sense of as you said, younger children imitating older children. Did did you ever notice younger children? Kind of seeing older kids writing, reading, doing things that maybe were a little above their level, and trying to imitate that.
1: Oh yes, yes, definitely. I remember one or two of my children, especially the second oldest, Ben. He he could, you know, he he was like two, two and a half, but he couldn't speak yet. He couldn't verbalize words, and he knew he couldn't, but he could hear his older brother speaking with words. So he made up his own language, and we. Were, <laughs> Until he could actually speak words. And um, one of our younger sons did something very similar to that, but not quite as extreme. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very interesting um, because, you know, and, and our kids are naturally creative. So, mm. you know, they knew that they wanted to communicate something. They just didn't know the word for it. So they made it up.
0: Why not? I love that within the family, the learning seems to be more of a web than something linear it's everyone's learning from each other there's all sorts of kind of unspoken lessons and a lot of stimulation that happens naturally in terms of all the different developmental levels and personalities together in the home um you and james uh have been are such creative people and i know that your children are creative too how did you learn as homeschoolers to feed and support that creativity in your children
1: well, we are both creative. <laughs> I'm a writer. James is, does just about everything else and writing uh, in the creative arts. And so one of the things we did when our kids were very young homeschoolers uh, was that we focused the academics. That was in the morning. And then in the afternoon, they, they would do whatever they wanted to do, whatever they felt called to do. Sometimes it was a sport it wasn't necessarily a creative thing. Sometimes it was making a movie like with the second oldest son who bought a camcorder way back when he was about eight years old and filmed movies. That's what he did in afternoons. And sometimes the siblings would star in these movies. Uh, So that was one of the things we did. Uh, Sometimes they, one older sibling would be making a, um, you know, a Lego castle or something. And I mean, the engineering skills involved in, in Lego is incredible. And the younger siblings would be helping and learn that way. But, um, you know, it was just amazing to me when you kind of give them wings and you give them an opportunity to do something that they enjoy doing. um, It was amazing to see the kinds of things that they would do.
0: I just want to point out, too, because I know that Ben is now working in the film industry in Canada, right? Yes, Because he's now a professional. Yes, he is. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, because here he was, eight years old, saving his birthday and Christmas money up and buying a camcorder and creating films from such a young age. And he he loves to make people laugh. So what's his life as an adult now?
1: Well, it's it's a lot stressful working in the (laughs) film business than it is making your own movies because you're the... You're the uh, kind of boss of everything, but I think he has. I think he's enjoyed it for the most part. He gets to meet a lot of celebrities and and you know people like Ed Asner. Awesome. Uh, he met who was a, a really cool um, person, and um, I can't uh, I can't think offhand other people, but lots of other. Famous people he got to meet uh, Jane Alexander. Uh, that's another one that he worked with on a recent movie. Um, but this is the thing: he knew from the age of eight, nine, ten, what he wanted to do with his life. He knew he wanted to be married and and have children, but how was he going to support his family? Kind of thing. And so, all throughout high school, he he did the uh, you know creative arts. Start in the the musical theater and all kinds of things, went to university for creative arts and film production and that sort of thing. So, um, but not only him, you know, our other children learned what they really loved to do through having these creative afternoons, what they all learned instruments, and they all played in a family band, which was really cool, especially when they started to play for for James's school, but they also played for, you know, the local community um, for Canada day festivities and that sort of thing.
0: And your kids have a following, right? Didn't people specifically come to those events oftentimes to hear your kids play? Yes.
1: Yeah. My fourth son actually has a, um, a couple of uh, songs out that he wrote and, and produced and, and that sort of thing. And um, so, but he was also a great athlete, you know, he played soccer and hockey and, and that sort of thing. And, and um, it, it just, I think giving your kids with homeschooling, you can give your kids this freedom to spend time doing what they love. And if they were doing nothing in the afternoon, I gave them something to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they always try to, Thing that they chose because <laughs> it was a much funner thing to do. But um, and through the creative process, they also learn compromise and patience when dealing with their their siblings.
0: Right, they've become team players, and there's also that sense too of just this explicit encouragement of the creative pursuits that led to them identifying passions, having that ability to dis- to discern what's really drawing them and drawing their creative energies. Um, tell us a little about your son who is in the music program now in university.
1: That is Paul. Uh, he is um, going into Queens university for bachelor of music,
0: which is a big deal. Queens. University, well, Western's It's a interesting big deal, because
1: right? yeah, it's a deal. Uh, it's, it's different than uh, college down in the States. College up here is community college. Um, So university is more like a university, like, you know, University of Pennsylvania or Yale or or something like that. So, And he discovered uh, he loved playing the drums. That was his original instrument. And he also played guitar, but he kind of just tinkered on the piano. And, you know, when he was 18 and he went away to college just to to do a, a short music program to see what he wanted to do, he realized that he had this passion for piano. And now he's playing, he's learned piano within three or four months. And now he's playing Chopin and uh, Mozart. And I love sitting down in the living room listening to him playing all these concertos and, and whatever. And he's just an incredible talent. And all he wants to do is, is play music and learn music and write music and, and that sort of thing. And this same son. Who didn't like French lessons way back when? When um, I I brought in a um, a French teacher to homeschool them French, and he liked it, but you know we didn't love it. Right now he's realizing, wow, I have to learn French. You know, I live in Canada. I I should speak another language and that sort of thing. And so I see this. I see this with all the boys. They want to constantly learn. Um, my oldest son he is constantly on those learning websites to continue learning different things. And, you know, he's learning about, you know, ancient uh, Aztec civilizations and history and how they did things way back when and that sort of thing. They have this desire to learn because they are free to learn.
0: And that special example, as we've touched on several times of older siblings for younger siblings, pursuing their passions. And of course, all along the way, they've seen you writing books and doing all of your endeavors and working with screenwriters and, and actually, you know, working with filmmakers. And you and James just uh, really sort of a, you know, the Renaissance kind of feel almost to <laughs> your own school, where, where the arts, where this ability to create beauty, which is such a part of our Catholic heritage, has been so strong.
1: Absolutely, and and it reminds me. It's interesting you say that because um, I remember one time we were in the middle of a blizzard. Live in Canada, right? So uh, six months of the year we get we have snow on the ground. And first of all, whenever the kids saw snow when they were younger, they would just jump up and down, and they would be so excited. Uh, Now, when they see that same snow in April, not as excited, but you know, still. They were always excited and I. they would go out and they would make these beautiful snow forts. Well, they'd make men too, but they would make these incredibly beautiful snow forts. Um, And, you know, I would look at that and I would say, adults grumble when it snows. Yes, because we have to drive in it and it's very difficult. But kids see the beauty of that white stuff and they make something beautiful out of it. And I've seen it in other aspects, but I, that one came to my mind. It was just so incredibly beautiful. And, you know, they were just taking care to make it look, you know, like they could take a picture of it. Had we had, you know, social media when my older children were, were young, it would have been posted, I'm sure, <laughs> to social media.
0: Isn't it wonderful to see the world through the eyes of our children and and get that fresh look at a pile of snow? Um, What are just, in in parting on this topic, what are some of the lessons you would say that came out of your children collaborating together, having that opportunity, like um, Ben directing his siblings and, you know, other opportunities they had just to lead within the family?
1: Oh, gosh. Interestingly, I asked some of my sons, what they learned um, and what did they get from the homeschooling thing. And this is going to be a, a summary because uh, it's not verbatim, but they learned unconditional love and not only from their parents, but from their siblings. I mean, they could fight and, you know, you can tease your brother, but if anybody else teases your brother, that's a whole different ball game, Right. Yeah. Um they learned tremendous patience. You know, and I'm amazed with the patience that they they learned. Um selflessness. Yes, kids are naturally selfish, but in a in a situation where you're with your siblings 24 hours a day, you know, you have to be selfless to a certain extent because you know, you're not going to survive if you don't give in and compromise and and that sort of thing. They learned putting their siblings before themselves. I saw this, you know, experienced this with my sons as their adults as well. I've seen it in their interaction with friends and 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 with their brothers as in the adult relationships. I see this genuine care they have for their brothers. And it's something that I'm sure could have been nurtured uh, had they been in school their their whole lives. But I think having that time when they were young children together with their siblings did create um, a special bond for all of the boys. And my second oldest son said, "I didn't at the time I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. What a unique situation we were in." And he's very thankful. For um, that we had homeschooled. And again, our kids aren't perfect. They make mistakes, they get angry and mad at their siblings and they make up and and that sort of thing. But um, but I do love to watch my adult kids, you know, um, playing a game together. They still do that, you know, pictionary or scene it or trivial pursuit or you know, any sort of game together charades they genuinely enjoy each other's company. And, and I think as a parent, that's, you know, that's an amazing thing to
0: watch. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Ellen. It, it's so great to get a peek into somebody else's homeschool. Just that sense that every family is unique and, and the lessons, though, are so solid. That The lessons that naturally come out of family life about needing each other and having to get along with each other and all of that are so powerful. Uh, So thank you so much for your time today and for letting us share a little bit in that.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Everybody, please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up.
2: Hi, I'm A.J. Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings. A place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today I'd like to introduce you to Rightfully Ours, a young adult novel by Catholic romance author Carolyn Astbach. That's right, I said Catholic romance author. Carolyn Astbach writes stories of love from a Catholic perspective for both adults and young adults. Rightfully Ours is her young adult novel aimed at older teens. In this engaging tale told from the perspectives of two teens falling in love, we meet 16-year-old Paul Porter and 14-year-old Rachel Mueller. Paul's father has just been deployed overseas, and his brother has taken a job at the fracking company where Rachel's father works. Without a good place to stay while his father is overseas and his brother is working, Paul is taken under the wing of Rachel's family who puts him up in their guest house. As the months and eventually years pass, Paul and Rachel develop a friendship that blossoms into a love interest. And as the story progresses, they also get involved in discovering what might be a long-lost treasure hidden on the plot of land where Rachel's family lives. However, the main focus of the book really becomes the deepening of the relationship between these two teens. As a romance author, Carolyn Asfalk knows how to write an enticing romantic scene. But as a Catholic, she also tempers those scenes by bringing in lessons from the theology of the body. As Paul and Rachel fall deeper in love, they struggle with the issue of chastity. They know they are supposed to save sex for marriage, but they aren't finding it easy. Given its frank conversations on premarital sex, this book would be great for older teens who have studied theology of the body. It takes a look at chastity and places it within realistic depictions of teenagers falling in love for the first time. Parents might even want to read this book first as a way of deciding how to approach the topic of chastity with their teen. Rightfully Ours by Carolyn Asbach has been awarded the Catholic Writers Guild Seal of Approval. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There you can learn more about my own books for young readers, including my YA novel Angelhood and my middle grade novel Seven Riddles to Nowhere. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading.
0: that's our show for today our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com where you can get online courses for your grade school middle school and high school student learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends and we'll see you next time here on the homeschooling saints podcast